Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Golden Hour, a podcast that spotlights Asian creativity in music. I'm your host, Charlene Kay, and I hope this podcast finds you enjoying your morning commute or just pressing play while taking a run on the treadmill or on your morning walk. Or maybe it's not morning. Maybe it's the afternoon and you want to take a break from your job or whatever you're doing. We're glad you're here and we're so grateful that you keep coming back and supporting the podcast. We have a spectacular episode for you today. It is so exciting when you talk to someone for the first time and you realize that they are a kindred spirit and a lifelong friend. My guest today is Yvette Young, virtuosic guitarist and songwriter of the band Covet. She was recommended to me by our friend Mike Park, who we interview in season one. He was like, you guys got to check out my friend Yvette. She's incredible. You'll have such a great conversation with her. And so we reached out and she was fortunately down to talk to us. Yvette is a Chinese-American musician from San Jose, California, and she is known for her signature style of guitar playing, which uses a blend of non-traditional tunings, finger tapping, and unpredictable time signatures, which is totally my shit and what I nerded out on so hard when I was first learning how to play guitar. So you can imagine when I first discovered their music, I was so eager to talk to her. Yvette is also a phenomenal visual artist because we only want to talk to polymaths over here on Golden Hour. And she's painted many of her own guitars and interestingly has painted Willow Smith's guitar, who I'm also a huge fan of. All throughout this episode, you'll hear me being like, oh my God, me too. (laughs) And I felt so seen by her and her journey fighting for visibility and respect in this historically patriarchal space of rock, jazz, and experimental music, which can be such a boys club. I was also so moved by her bravery in discussing her mental health and her struggle with anorexia in her youth, which she describes as a fight for control. I have so much respect for this woman, and it is my honor to spotlight her today. Here's a clip of the song Firebird by Covet. Hi, Yvette. I have so many questions I want to ask you, but let's start at the beginning. I'd love to hear about where you grew up, what your first experiences with music were like. Uh, born and raised San Jose, Bay Area. Mm-hmm. Um, I got into music. It's funny, like I always, I was raised on classical music. So I started piano when I was, classical piano was four. Oh, and it's then, a tale as old as time on this I podcast. I know, like every Asian person. <laughs> And then I played in two orchestras on violin. So that was when I was seven. And I'm sure you know, like when you have to play music under pressure, it's just a lot. And um, it was a lot to balance, like on top of like having to do well in school. And I didn't really have much of a childhood. And long story short, it led to me getting really sick. Um, Wait, say more about that. You didn't have much of a childhood? Oh, I mean, like, I just feel like I was... I didn't really get to 
play. You know what I mean? Like I just, after school, I'd go have like a two hour piano lesson. And then I'd like, you know, I'd have to practice for sometimes four hours a day. And it's like, you know, like I'm not, I'm supposed to be like poking at a f- turtle with a stick or something. Like, I don't know, <laughs> really dating myself here. Cause obviously in the nineties, like that's what kids did, right? Hey, Poking. Same. We're both turtles with a stick. <laughs> <laughs> I really, I really appreciate that. And I think I'll know all of your references as a millennial myself who grew up in the yeah. 90s. So oh, like, uh, no shame. It, I feel like now I'd be poking at a turtle on, with a stick on Fortnite or something like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but yeah, anyway, um, tangent aside, I, uh, I got really sick with, um, this from a combination of reasons, a lot of cultural, uh, tension with my parents and everything, but I got sick with an eating disorder. I was anorexic for a majority of my life. Um, a majority of my adolescent life, preteen life. And, uh, I went to the hospital and that's actually when I started really getting into guitar. Cause when I was there, mm. I like, I had to quit everything. Cause it's just like a lot of pressure. Um, and then I was like, well, I've always like wanted to play guitar and be in a band and blah, blah, blah. So, I started writing music on acoustic and that's kind of how I cut my teeth was teaching myself acoustic when I was sick. (laughs) Oh, thank you for being so transparent and sharing that. It's something that needs to be talked about. And I think the less shame attached to that experience, the better, because it is very universal and it speaks to this culture of misogyny and how women are supposed to appear and our self-esteem within the bigger cultural framework. So thank you for your bravery in that. Yeah, of course. Um, I I think for me, it was less so about my appearance and more so about like control. Like, mm. I, you know, I, I don't know what your upbringing is like. We, we can talk about that. I can interview oh, you. Oh, yeah, we sure can. But, <laughs> but, you know, like when you have a certain set of values and a way you're supposed to be and your life path predetermined for you by your parents, you know, you're gonna be a doctor, you're gonna be an engineer, blah, blah, blah. Like you can't be an emotional person. You know, you get put in this mold with a lot of constraints and when you don't feel like you have control over your own destiny your own life then I think a lot of people when they're young turn to eating disorders as a way to get control over stuff so for me yeah was, to have any sort of autonomy mm-hmm, yeah, yeah. Was, for me it was like about um having control over something yeah I can I can do a whole separate podcast on the psychology of like eating disorders and why people do it but in a nutshell it was more so about like ah I don't feel like I can control anything, so I'm going to self-destruct. <laughs> There's that's so interesting because I I that you talk about how much pressure you faced from your parents because I read that your parents are also musicians and they met because your dad was your mother's accordion teacher. Yeah. <laughs> it's cute, right? <laughs> wow. But even so with their musical identities, they still enforced more of a traditional sort of like pressure on you to perform well and and compete in recitals and stuff like that. Yeah, just like an overall, uh, just focus on perfection. And I understand that it. I think now as an adult, um, perhaps when I was younger, I was resentful. But now I'm just like it. Just it all stems from fear. Like, mm-hmm. it's not about, like, I want to make my kid's life as miserable as possible. It's, like, it's more so 
I'm so afraid I'm an immigrant from another country and I want my child to have like a good future. Mm-hmm. And here's the values that I will instill on my child. And this is the path, this is the safest way to success, whatever that definition of success is. But it's less about like, oh, I want to like, I just want to see what happens when I push my kid too far. And more about like, I, I this is my love language is like yeah. just being overbearing in some ways and like trying to make sure that my child doesn't like starve and have like no job and all of that so you know she want my parents wanted me to get into good college so a lot of yeah the way to get into a good college is you know you gotta show that you can play the piano you gotta mm-hmm. show that you can do math you gotta show that you can like you're just a well-rounded person overall um but i think <sighs> what's lost there is the power of music like how i've come to fall back in love with music is having it on my own terms and yes. also appreciating it less as like a means to an end, which is getting to college and more so as like an end in itself, like how rewarding it is to create music, communicate with other people using music. And it's just become such a powerful outlet for me and a huge part of my identity, I think. Yeah. And living in process instead of trying to end game things is has been a, such a big lesson for me in in my artistic process in not just music but in life too like not not living for whatever's going to happen like a few years from now or something and sitting in something even though it might be uncomfortable because there's also there also there's also beauty and joy in that in that discomfort mm-hmm. um i it's so funny when you're when i was reading uh when i was reading interviews and press about you in pre- preparation for this. It was almost kind of like I was I was like, wow, we have such similar arcs with our musical journeys because I also was forced into piano lessons. I oh, also yeah. was forced into violin lessons. And I was That should never... be a shirt is I yeah. was forced into <laughs> piano lessons. Yeah, it's such a cliche, but it's a cliche because it's I I feel very I feel such a kinship with you because I also rebelled and once I discovered guitar, I was like, this is my path and like I'm going to be a miscreant. And my parents were like, Wait, we didn't. We were giving you lessons because we wanted you to get into college. We didn't expect you to fall in love with it. Yeah. How dare you try to pursue a career? I know. Now that, we, now that we've given you this gift, my downfall with the classical music route was that I was never good at sight reading, and so when it came to do all those rehearsals, the recitals and stuff like that, I was just I was memorizing things, and then I was like remembering them from uh, memory. Same, but. I, I still like have I still struggle with like the circle of fifths and like what and like the the little sharps and flats on the staff and stuff like that. It's really that that Dude. ended up being a curse, but also a blessing because I was listening to rock music on our local like alt rock radio station, and I was like learning Blink One Eighty Two and Nirvana, and I could play those songs with power chords, and I was like, oh, this is where this is what I resonate with. And this is something that my angst can go into. <laughs> I totally feel that. I am garbage at sight reading. I totally bullshitted my way through all of the certificate of merit, like theory testing things. Like, <laughs> and honestly, you know, this is my little confession, but I, I was, I think the best thing I got out of my classical training was developing a really good ear. Um, like and sense of pitch and and also like the more melody the more like music you consume the more you build your own like kind of like musical lexicon or like language or whatever to like write your music so I feel like that benefited me a lot um but when I was in orchestra I had to audition um 
you know, to get my placement. And it was hilarious because I would basically listen to the pieces like nonstop. And then I would learn them not by sight reading the music, but by just like using my ear and finding everything and playing it like perfectly. And then, you know, I got first chair, which was a surprise. And then as soon as the first day, he's like, all right, here's your solo. Here's the sheet music. I freaking like couldn't play oh, it. No. So so then what I ended up <gasps> doing do? is yeah. I was like real time listening to the people behind me play. And I was like listening to them and copying them like on the fly. Like it was it was so bad. I should have just let my sight read. No, it's like it's not it's not legit. But, you know, that's helping me now because now I can like listen to a passage of music and like play it, you know? Yeah. And the, <laughs> first of all, that is that is insanely bad <laughs> that you can listen and re- it's like it's like not knowing a monologue but listening to someone talk and just like you know doing it like as fast as possible as as far as your as fast as your ear can do it which is astonishing dude so. it's it's so funny cuz like I feel like I was probably the lazy, like I didn't even want to play an orchestra. I hated it. I was like, I don't want to blend in. Like, I don't want to play this. Like, what if I want to play this section with dynamics? I don't care that it's Baroque. Like I want to put a crescendo in here. Or shred. Yeah, you know, so I'm so lazy. I There's this one (laughs) instance where, you know, to get out of practicing piano. Sorry, I feel like you had a question. Now I'm just like- No, this is all juicy. I'm like confessing all the bad stuff I ever did as a kid. Um, <laughs> no, we want it. Yeah. We want all of it. So I would be forced to practice piano uh, for like four hours after school every day. But my mom's working, you know, like for, I'm first gen. She she has to work a, a job while like I take care of myself. So she's like, I'm going to it's up to you to like do these four hours. And if when I come home, I'm going to like quiz you to see if you like actually practice. So I'm like, I got this in the bag. Like, I don't need to practice. So I would I started um figuring out <laughs> I started figuring out the sound of her keys and like her car door and what that <gasps> sounded like so I would basically not practice spoiler alert I would go watch Yu-Gi-Oh or something and like eat yes, Halloween yes. candy in bed <laughs> and uh I would wait for her car I would be like dear ears like listening and as soon as that happened I would heat up a bowl of hot water and I'd put it on the chair to like simulate that I had been sitting there for a while. I'd like oh, mess up my the keys. God. Yeah. You crafty. And then I'd like mess up the papers. And then like, I would like, as soon as she was close, I'd be like, cause I could hear her coming up the stairs. I'd be like playing. And then she'd oh. come in and be like, oh, sorry, I didn't hear you. Like I was just practicing, you know, like I did this. I did this for like months. And then one oh. day, one day I got caught and she um, hot water i left her on the so what happened was she called and i was like i'm gonna go check something i'll be right back it was still landline time so yeah i I left her on the landline and she thought something had happened so she raced home but i (gasps) had long forgotten that my mom was on the phone i was in bed watching (laughs) Yu-Gi-Oh, probably like butt naked for some reason like just like and she comes home like so concerned and she just sees me in bed like she's like oh my god like (laughs) you don't practice piano you just do this all day so then from that point on she made me go to work with her after school (laughs) (laughs) i am processing this the extent to which you you created this scene 
Yeah, I know. It's like I went too far. Like, <laughs> no, it was I. Like, it's the it's the bowl of hot water on the seat for yep, me. I know. <laughs> but she would she would be meticulous like that. Like she would be like something's not right. Just touch the seat. Like you were really. You were- so she would check for for warmth on the seat. That's a fucking forensic scientist. Yeah, she's yeah. like she's like sending the the. Key, the ivory keys to like the lab for skin yeah. samples to see how old. Yeah. Like, nah, she <laughs> she wouldn't do that, but you know. She's carbon dating just to see how long it's been since you've actually touched the piano. Yeah. So when you were in the hospital playing these acoustic songs for the first time, what was the begin what was the rest of that journey like discovering guitar and writing songs that eventually evolved into this gorgeous progressive interesting like magical music that you make with both by yourself and with uh covet thanks <laughs> um it's funny i learned a lot of butt rock growing up that's what <laughs> i cut my teeth on i learned okay so like creed is pretty sick like i know everyone gives creed <gasps> shit but i'm just oh gonna say mark Tremonti, his riffs are pretty great i so just I, learned- I just played the with arms wide open oh, at yeah. my sister's wedding no way. While while her friends lifted me up in the air while doing the solo, and I was I was airborne while doing the. Oh man, I I gotta see footage of this. Um, oh, yeah, I will show you. But that's man, we're just so we're so alike. This is beautiful. Keep talking about keep talking about butt rock because butt, butt rock, rock is. I owe my sound to butt rock, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> like okay like six feet from the edge that finger pick riff like yeah that's like the only that, thing i know in dude, standard dead ass that is the that is the first song that my sister ever learned on guitar me and your sister got to talk the same um and then i learned like okay like a radiohead song a paranoid android off okay computer i like that record so much like I think there's a lot of magic yeah. in that one. Um, yeah, decidedly different than butt rock, but still yeah. okay. extremely impressive. For clarity's sake, I am not saying that Radiohead is butt rock. So Radiohead fans, like leave me alone. Yeah, don't <laughs> um, at me. Uh, so I learned like stuff like that, and then I learned a bunch of folk. Like I got into like, um, uh, you know, Cat Stevens and all. And then uh, Greg- there's this one artist I liked a lot, Gregory and the Hawk. I learned some of her stuff. Um, yeah, so I, I kind of played that. And then after learning that, I was like, well, wait a minute. Like, I, I would always start learning something and then go off into my own world and be, try to figure stuff out. Uh, things really changed for me when I discovered I got really into, like, Midwest emo and math rock. So, like, bands like Toe, um, bands like American Football, bands like uh, TTNG. Uh, I'm trying to think of who else. Um, anyways, that, like... That whole sound is so cool. And I, I was so excited. And I learned that you can tune your guitar to whatever tune you want. So I'm like, see a standard. Um, yeah, I'm only yeah. going to use you when I play Six Feet from the Edge by Creed. <laughs> um, so I started writing music of my own and open, open tunings. And it like, for me, I, I got so bored of like the shapes and stuff too. I also grew up really religious. Like my parents, my mom is Christian. So it's like, I went to church and I learned all the, the hymn chords. I was like, well, this is boring. Like, I don't yep, want to just yep. do this. So yep. open tuning all day. Oh yeah. I was like, well, what if we did like a Midwest emo anthem for Jesus or whatever? Yeah. Like, you know, like, but yeah, anyway. It, it, it's funny because then that totally opened up this other world. And then I was like, well, wait a minute. You can like tap and stuff. So I started, I was like, well, I want to write music that sounds like really full. 
you know and i already had yeah. the finger dexterity from piano so teaching myself guitar was like no issue i i think recently i start i started playing more like a normal a normal guitarist you know i started out just like being like like tapping and all that but now i'm just like wait a minute like bending is sick like i'm gonna like do this like one yeah, bluesy yeah, yeah. bend it like adds so much character i i started um just doing like power chords more and like I don't know, just like being more traditional, but I definitely started, I, I still feel like an outsider. I still feel like I'm like, I taught myself this thing. I don't really know what I'm doing. Somehow it all comes together. That's phenomenal to hear from someone who has almost half a million followers on Instagram and has <laughs> such a long and prolific career. We still feel like imposters and we're still figuring it out. There's never going to be a place where Hopefully there'll never be a place where we feel like we've got it. I don't think, I think the moment you feel like you got it, you're like not gonna ever grow anymore. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Cause like you're complacent. I love the feeling of having a fire under my ass. Like just recently I, I was in New York and I, my friend showed me some music he was listening, he, sorry, he had written and I felt that fire under my ass. And I was just like, that's the feeling I need. Like. I want to feel like I am so stoked for my friends making dope shit because I'm just like, damn, I want to make dope shit. And like, I want to go yeah. home and like grow and like yeah. push my sound and like yeah. try something new and not just stay in the same place. So I don't know. I don't think we'll ever feel like, oh, yeah, like I'm I've reached guitar. I don't know what's Nirvana. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Pun intended. Yeah. <laughs> How how was that experience for you, like getting into high school and like developing more of your sound? Were you were you able to find other like minded musicians in high school? Like, what, what were some of your first bands like? You know, what's crazy is I didn't start playing guitar until I was out of high school. So oh. I mm -hmm. um, and I actually fun fact is I barely was in high school because I was in the hospital most of the time. So maybe that's why I'm such like a freak. Like I just did not have like a normal high school like I never got to experience like having a friend group and like doing that maybe I avoided some drama or whatever but I was always that weird kid that would show up get my assignments and disappear because I was re-hospital I'd had to go back I was like readmitted a bunch of times because the thing with eating disorders is you don't just recover like you relapse it's like an addiction you know it is an addiction and to, to some extent um so I, yeah I don't know this is funny I feel like I really got through with I didn't set out to be a musician either. Like my my main goal, I really wanted to be an artist. Like I love drawing and painting and that was like my favorite class always. I would always stay like way after school just working on a drawing or whatever. I'd be sketching constantly. Like I'd never be paying attention in class. I'd just be like drawing. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I, I feel like just visual art and then listening to music kind of got me through my high school years. Um, yeah. And then it was only through college that's when I started really using guitar as my my primary outlet. Right. Where did you go to college? I went to UCLA. Um, I want to do some kind of like college shout out, but I, I'm not really like a school spirit. That's okay. Girl. Um, yeah. Yeah, it was cool. I, uh, I pushed myself to graduate really fast. Like I, for some reason I had it in my head. I was like, this is dumb. Like, I just want to get this stupid piece of paper so I can go work already. You <laughs> yeah. know what I mean? Like, did you study music? I studied 
I double majored in visual performing arts education and uh, fine arts. So I pushed myself to work through summer, um, did summer school, booked myself classes from 9 a.m. to 7 p.m. every day, and I graduated in two years uh, and in wow. one semester. So I had that extra one semester. Yeah. So, yeah, but it was honestly kind of dumb on my end. Like, first of all, my opinion of the education system is that, like, it's kind of whack that we have to decide what we want to do fresh out of high school with zero life experience, never having worked a day in our life. Well, some people work in high school, but you know what I mean? Like, it's it's kind of hard to know what you want to do for the rest of your life. So I feel like college should be this thing that you, like, maybe take two years off and you, like, go do stuff and go explore who you are, develop an identity, and then you decide, okay, I want to go to college now and I want to specialize in this. Because um, for me, I'm like, I, I thought I had it in my head. I was like, I just want to get out of here and go – I want to be a gallery artist. I want to like maybe teach. Um, mm-hmm. So I wish I had taken my time because like there are so many great resources at UCLA. I feel like I had access to like all kinds of tools, um, a kiln, a bunch of video equipment. Like I, I wish that I was still a student because then I could just go yeah. use their stuff and have the resources. But I powered through, man. I like didn't retain a single thing. Um I didn't even like really go to class. I would just, this is again, me confessing how bad of a student I am or whatever. But like, I would just like go, I would just go, uh, I would, I don't know what I'd do during the day, like draw, um, play guitar. And then the day, the week before final, usually professors send out like what they're going to put the final on. And then I would like I didn't even buy the book. Like, I'd find the book online, like, an old version. Yeah. Spoiler alert. Like, the new version, they just have, like, a different picture. Like, the yeah, essential yeah, yeah. text is the same. <laughs> so, I'd find some old version of it that was online and just, like, cram overnight and then memorize everything, take the test, be, like, pass. And then I'd just completely empty my mind of the information. And is that an efficient way to get through college? Yes. Is that a... um a long-term viable way to get through college? No, because I forgot everything. <laughs> well, it's also a testament to your incredible memory. That it's you were gone. Able to... it's, it's bad now. <laughs> uh, well, it, it got you through some major milestones. Yeah, I guess so. Huh? <laughs> you're, making a, you're making a good point, though, which is that a lot of the formal education system relies on memorizing things by rote. And it's not as much of like, What's the, what does this mean to me? And like, how does this matter? How do I want to put this into something? That's what we're missing is like, I feel like we learn all this sh- shit, but it's like, nobody explains why you need to know it or a practical application. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I, like as a younger person, I would have been more enthusiastic about learning about African pottery if I was like, well, why is this going to like, I feel like I singled out African pottery. That was just one of the classes that I was like, why am I learning this? Like, how is this going to help me? You know, yeah. but, you know, they're like, okay, one day you're going to, like, be in a cave and, like, then you're going to find <laughs> this, like, shard and you're going to be like, yeah. oh, my God, I recognize the etching on this shard. This belongs to this era of, like, African pottery. Right, and, right. Yeah, you know. What were your first performances like and how did that lead into forming bands and playing out? I was an art teacher after college. I worked um, I worked with, like, portfolio counseling. I work with all ages, but I ended up being, like, I'm going to help high schoolers figure out what they want to do. And I was into it because I'm like, yo, like, I wish I had something like this when yeah. I was in high school. Yeah. Um, and then I, I was like, you know, 
doing guitar stuff on the side and um i was posting videos and i got really lucky one of my videos got like it went like viral or whatever and on, so this is on youtube um it was on in... facebook of all places and then oh, i got a, yeah. approached by my first guitar endorser strandberg and then it was just it just snowballed into this yeah. big thing and and pretty soon i couldn't keep up with um my touring schedule and balancing the teaching job so i quit teaching to do that and this and then covet happened um yeah so you were playing by yourself first yeah kind of just like i wrote a bunch of, i mean covet's first record covet, every, every covet record is like songs that i've written um but it's like that first one i had already had like all these songs written i asked uh two people at the time i was like well do you want to like play bass do you want to play drums and then um but yeah, it kind of just became, I thought it would just be a garage band for fun, but it ended up evolving to be way bigger than I would have ever imagined. Like to this day, I'm still shocked like anyone shows up for a show. <laughs> but like, it's, it's amazing. it sounds, yeah, it's it's pretty surreal to me still because I never, I never intended it for it to be this, you know? Yeah. Um, if anything, that lights a fire under my ass because I'm like, well, I want to feel like I deserve it one day and that makes me work harder. So um but yeah that's kind of how the band started the first shows we played we played a guitar center that was really funny <laughs> um you know just wow that's how did you get that gig i don't know like the drummer at the time was like hey you want to play guitar center and so it was literally like a booth in front we were like the greeter band it was so awkward i played a <gasps> lot of awkward gigs second gig was like uh it was just dark um not to make light of a bad situation but i guess a victim of gang violence this kid um was having a funeral show and like it was it was like a fundraising funeral show and we got booked for it like my drummer at the, he's a weirdo and sorry i hope he doesn't listen to this but yeah he he uh, is this he your booked, current drummer or no a previous it was drummer? like previous okay yeah he he booked this show and thought it was appropriate for us and you know like our music isn't like I'd understand like Explosion in the Sky or Hammock or like a post-rock band or just anything kind of minimal and like respectful. But I'm like sitting here at the time when I first started, <laughs> my music was even shreddier and it was like yeah. the po positive and it was like tapping. Yeah. It's like, it's like if like, I'm not saying I'm Michelangelo Batio, but it's like if Michelangelo Batio played a funeral, like that would be completely tone deaf, right? Like, <laughs> and so I remember playing this gig just like super... Um, just trying not to look too happy playing music because yeah, I was like, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. everyone's bombed, so I should just tap <laughs> really funeral. remorsefully. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, uh, I don't know. That was freaking weird. That's, wow, what, what an introduction to play. Yeah, I know. And then we got a tour and then here we are playing shows to alive people who are happy, so... That's a big improvement, yeah, I would say. Yeah, definitely. I'd love to talk about some of your work in the visual arts. The guitars that you've painted are absolutely incredible. And I'm curious how those two creative processes intersect, how one might inform the other, and what some of your visual inspirations are. That's a great question. Um, I feel, okay, so like I already said that I wanted to be an artist initially. And like, I, I guess... I, at the time, I'm like, well, that's so funny. I'm like, I'm now in a band and I play music for a living, but um, I studied art. And what is cool about 
what I did do is like, I feel like I learned a lot of skills from art school that like helped me now. Like yeah. I design all the merch. I do all of the like video treatments and the, the music video, like yeah. props and all of that. Some of the older DIY stuff, like I made that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's <laughs> my overall spirit is very DIY. Um, and even the way I view guitar, like I, so I started on acoustic. I played electric guitar mm-hmm. a lot later in life. Um, and I got into pedals and I feel like my frame of reference is always going to be like, how do I like draw a picture, but with sound, right? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. for me, like melody is kind of like, all right, when I sit down to write music, I'm like, I want to tell a story or like kind of set a vibe. And maybe the melody becomes the black and white version of like mm. what character I'm trying to paint or what setting I'm trying to convince everyone of. And then pedals are kind of like the cool colors that I can use to like enhance it and that's kind of just how I ended up writing all the stuff with Covet too, is like, how do I make this like mood come to life? Like chorus kind of makes it have this like nostalgic feel. Mm-hmm. It's like almost like the police to the cure or something. And then I don't know, just like delay makes stuff sound ethereal. Um, these are all like things I'm thinking about. Like, how do I, I feel like I'm just describing the job of someone who does like soundtracks, but kind of, that's kind of what I do. <laughs> have you ever composed for film? I really want TV? to. Like, I, I like I'm so getting, good at it. I'm getting a cool chance to like score something for an orchestra, and I get to play guitar. So that's like my goal. Like, I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to figure out how. <laughs> yes, it's being in that discomfort. Yeah, that's gonna... you have to. The goal, the key to growth is being super uncomfortable, like all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking about how you said that one of your first gigs was at Guitar Center. I have. I just got on TikTok this year and I I had this idea and I was like, you know, maybe I I was like, it would be really funny if I just played all these really famous riffs wrong and then just saw how many people turned around and like, I saw that corrected me. (laughs) It's funny because there's like different personas at Guitar Center. There's like the, the person that's like sitting there. Like for like five hours, he's been just shutting his brains out <laughs> and like m- cranked volume. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. He's yeah. just, you can tell <laughs> from his like eye contact that he's like waiting you to just validate him and be like, you're really good. Like, yeah, I feel yeah, like I should yeah. just go up to people like that and be like, you're really good. And then he's yeah. like, and then he'll finally stop playing and be like, thank you. And then just like dissipate into like a million embers because I've released his spirit from like this guitar, this hellhole, you know, like just. Yeah, yeah. And left, it's like a puff of smoke and then left on the ground is just like a pile of guitar picks. Yeah, it's like. (laughs) Yeah, oh my God. But there's that. And then there's like, you know, like I feel like there's someone always for some reason playing like the Silver Sun pickups or something. I don't know. Like it's it's so funny. And it's funny, and I think it, I think it resonated because there is an expectation there that if you're a woman and you like play all these riffs, like you must need help. Like you must like, do you know how to play this? Do you want me to show you how to play this? So I'm curious what your biggest challenges has been, not just as a woman, non non-binary person, but also as somebody who has is an Asian person, and we do not really have much real estate in the canon of rock. And so behind the joke for me is like this acknowledgement that every single riff that I've been, that I'm playing has been written by a white guy. (laughs) And so it's not lost on me that 
we don't have much of that notoriety as Asian women. And I want to change that. It really like is a big driving factor in why I do what I do. That's a good point. I've actually never thought, cause like I never, I cut my teeth learning riffs. I guess all the riffs I learned were, were written by like, you know, white guys too. Um, but I never even thought about like, oh yeah, that's like, I can't believe that's like the first time I'm thinking about that. You're kind of like blowing my mind now. Um, <laughs> but it is like, I do feel like we live in a really hopeful time where there is a lot of, there's a lot of representation, not in yeah. our perspective genres. Like I think in Prague and stuff, there's still not a lot of like Asian females. There, there are some like in the, in the metal world, there's like tons, like, you know, um, but well, not tons, but you know what I mean? Like more yeah. than, than the world more that I'm so, in currently. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like hmm, my biggest challenge, I still struggle with this. Um, and I'm working on it is, realizing that I don't need the opinion of someone like I don't I don't have to listen to the opinion of someone who is like some white dude you know what I mean like I write all the music I know how it's supposed to sound and I know what I like and just even just that one statement acknowledging that I know what I like and I know what I want but yet there's this voice in the back of my head that it's like almost like a if I, if I had like a devil and an angel, the angel's like, you got this, like you wrote all this, you should know. And then the devil's like, well, but I don't know, like someone else could know better. And like, what if this sound isn't good, you know? So then I end up second guessing myself a lot. And I think that's where I find myself having the most conflict is those moments where I second guess myself, listen to someone else. And then I realize that this isn't even what I want. Like, and then I'm dissatisfied because I'm like, well, why didn't I even, why didn't I just listen to myself, you know? Oh. Um, and it's like, I don't want to just put out this message that like, you, fuck everyone else's opinion. Like, you know, because you, sometimes you, to, to learn and grow, you got to like ask questions and you have to some extent be like, well, this isn't the most perfect version of what it could be. And someone else with expertise can definitely counsel me, you know, I think that's important to admit. But then you got to also realize when you are the expert. And yes. you don't need to like rely on someone else. And just to tie in my cultural background, like being raised Chinese and stuff, like I'm not supposed to question anything. I'm supposed to just be like, really, <laughs> this word is weird, but like obedient and like mm-hmm. to should kind of just be, keep my head down, be non-confrontational. So sometimes I find myself struggling to stick up for myself because um, I just feel like I'm not supposed to, and I'm not supposed to be like argumentative I'm not even supposed to have needs. I don't deserve anything. That's like how you're raised if you're like an Asian female, you know? So it's been, I like to joke that we all come with like different presets, right? And those are my presets. And I realize that they don't benefit me. They don't serve me. So I'm trying to like flip that bitch to the other side, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, (laughs) yeah, we need some new plugins. We need some new pedals. Yeah. We're not, we don't come with the factory presets from Guitar Center. Right. Like I've had, <laughs> I've had, um, sound people come in like, it's funny because band meme 666 made like a meme about this. And I was like, this is real. Like this happened. He <laughs> Thank came, God for that account. I, I know. Love I love, I just saw him. He's, he's so cool. Um, he, so he, he, that meme is like sound guy comes in, changes your settings for you. Literally had that happen. And I'm like, why did I 
let him do that and like not say anything, you know, like, why did I, it's just because I didn't want to be confrontational. And then what, I'm stuck with the tone I don't like for the show. Oh, that is, that's so enraging. Do they know who you are? How dare <laughs> it's, they? It's, I mean, like, I never want to pull that card. I don't want to be like, excuse me, I'm mm, very important. But, like, yeah, just in general, yeah. like, it doesn't matter well, who you I'll are. I'll do it for you. Thank you. It shouldn't matter who you are. Like, if you tell someone, this is what I want to sound like, then they should be like, okay. Yeah. You know? Even if it's not what they like. Within reason, like I get it. If you're like way trebly and like yeah, screeching, yeah, yeah. like hurting everyone, yeah, then by all means, like EQ that shit out. So what's next for you? What how, what do you have on the docket creatively? Ah, uh, so I'm sitting here. I, I'm I'm working all the visuals for this tour. I have this um, rebirth tour that's coming up next month, playing with all new people. Um, well, I assume by the time this podcast out, I'll, I'll be on tour presumably or have played the tour but um it's cool i got a girl drummer i love her uh her name's jessica i'm so excited to have another girl on me a girl girl not on me (laughs) girl with me on tour um and then uh my bass a new bass player um brandon um and we have rehearsals in la in a week so i'm it'll be the first time i play with any other musicians isn't that crazy i'm like kind of pinching so exciting Well, I can't wait for everything that you have coming up. You are such an inspiration. Thank you for your candor and your humor and your badassery and your your open love of butt rock, which I share deeply. And I think that unites us. And good luck with everything. I can't wait to see you live on tour. Hell yeah. Thank you so much again to Yvette for joining us on the show today. You can find her on Instagram at Yvette Young. Covet's most recent single, Firebird, is available everywhere now. Please subscribe, follow, and rate the podcast on whatever platform you listen. Your engagement really helps us make the show better. And we love hearing from you. Tell us what you think about the show and who you'd like to hear from in future episodes. Send us a message on Instagram at goldenhourpod or email us at golden hour with k-a-y-e at gmail.com golden hour is created by me and produced and edited by dave yim gabriel hunter chang is our production associate thanks so much for listening see you next time See you.